from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things that made us go wow. Wow. Uh, I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined, as usual, by James St. James, editor of the Wow Report. And standing in for Tom Campbell this week, the very special uh, friend and journalist and writer um, from The Hollywood Reporter, Safa Bromovich. Yay! I'm, I'm the bear in waiting this week. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm amazing. I had a great week. This is your fourth time on the Wearable. I can't believe you continue to tolerate us or you answer our calls. You guys are the best. You're my favorite, whatever you call this, podcast, radio show. I love you guys. Your favorite mess. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's start with the countdown. Uh, number 10. Number 10. Uh, number 10, I wanted to start with Seth. I wanted to ask him a few questions. He created a lot of buzz the other week when he interviewed reclusive icon Shelley Duvall for The Hollywood Reporter. Um, yes. I just wanted to sort of get your your thoughts on Shelley and how the um, the article came to be and how you found her, because I know there's, you know, people worry about her a lot and just what your takeaway from the whole thing was. Um, well, the takeaway, I'll start with that. You know, I, I'm thrilled. Like, I, I, it couldn't have been received any better. Uh, I obviously, well, there was a lot of apprehension going into it. I just followed my heart with it. I felt compelled to do it out of a genuine fondness for her. You know, it was a great meeting her and I had a great time. And, you know, it was right before this horrible storm hit Texas and it was warm and just a lovely place to be and nice to get out of LA and, and be there. And, um, and every, you know, I wasn't sure how people would react, but they they got it. They understood that she's deserving of our 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 love. And um, well, you know, um, Shelley is someone who, you know, it, it is a for movie buffs. You know, she's been in Nashville. She's been in The Shining. She's been in Popeye. She's the Fairy Tale Theater. She really sort of covers the waterfront in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. And then she had um, she disappeared. Uh, for many, many years, decades, in fact. And then um, she resurfaced on Dr. Phil. And I think that's where a lot of people uh, were worried about her. And so talk, talk a little bit about how the state that you found her in and, and what you thought. Um, she, you know, she suffers. There's there's no candy coating this. She has mental illness. And, um, you know, I did not delve there. I did, It's hard to talk to someone with mental illness about their mental illness if they're not aware, you know, I don't think she's aware of it. And um, so, you know, I don't know what treatments she's had, you know, that, that area of the story, I, I kind of tread very lightly because I just, uh, I just didn't know. And I didn't want to push on that. Um, but she seemed lucid when you were talking to her and she, she seems like she was very much with it and she knows who, you know, She's telling stories and she's being. Uh... Yes, I mean there was a mixture of of co co coherence and great stories and laughs and and then some other stuff. Now the beauty of writing a piece like this is I can be highly selective in in what I share. And uh, I came with an amazing photographer. Um, uh, his name is uh, Eric uh, Anderson, um, and um, he. I love that first picture of her. Oh. It's, it's so mm. heartbreaking and beautiful, and oh. just it tells so many stories. It so does. He's he was brilliant, and um, you know it was amazing when the camera was on her. Something happened. She still had it, and her eyes would soften, and this little girl would would emerge, and she knew how to work the camera. Um, and of course, you know, I was very hopeful that the, the photos would be real, but tender and, and show a beautiful side to her. And, and, but, you know, until I saw the photos, I wasn't sure if the story was going to work. When I saw the photos, I was like, okay, we're, we're in business. I can capture the Shelly I see. Um, so those were very helpful to me. Now, you know, I, I think people are going to want to interview her now and it's going to be harder. Uh, to... I, I do love the fact that I and I remember this from from another story about her years ago 
where everybody in the town is very protective of her. Yeah. And I think that is so sweet that everybody looks out for her because she's sort of, she's not the star. She's not a huge, you know, they don't treat her like a star. They treat her like she's a friend, you know, she's part of the town. And they, she's I very much her. a part of the town and everyone knows her, of course. Um, but it's less as, oh, she's a movie star and more as, you know, she's sort of this eccentric um, but they know how to treat her. You know, we went to this cafe and they know what she likes and they bring it out to her the way she likes it. Um, and it was very heartwarming to to see that. Sounds like kind of place I should go. What <laughs> do you, um, with, with, you know, the, the, the Phil Donahue thing happened. Phil Donahue? Dr. Donahue. Phil. Dr. Phil. Phil. So that was a while ago, right? So what prompted you to reach out and try and right. find her in um, so I do this thing. Uh, it's at the back of every Hollywood Reporter uh, called uh, 91 Years of the Hollywood Reporter. And um, it's it's like a historical page. So uh, it was recently the 40th anniversary of Popeye, and um, which was sort of how I fell in love with her, you know, as a little seven-year-old, eight-year-old boy. And um, uh, that's how I discovered her. And I loved that movie. And I watched it again because it had been so many years since I'd seen it. And it was even, it really holds up. It's really a great film. It's very tenderly beautifully done lots of great details of course robert altman who did a lot of her more adult films as well but this is a kid's movie and it's great um so she just was in my head you know as in i love her and and then of course i thought of the dr phil thing and uh and something there was a, a, a you know a disconnect or it just felt wrong that when i think of her that i think of the dr phil thing it just was like a bad yucky feeling and i didn't i didn't want I didn't want to feel that way about her. So I just started thinking about her and, you know, where is she and how is she doing since that thing? And um, uh, and I just started snooping around doing my, you know, detective work. But it, um, it wasn't as hard to find her as I thought. Um, it started with, um, uh, there's a site, a, a fan site called So Shelley Duval. There's a Twitter and an Instagram. And uh, they're very adoring of her. And um, I asked them if they had you know, knew how to reach her. And they said, no, but they had some leads. And um, so I followed those leads. And it's interesting. There's a little like, and I talk about them a bit in the story, a kind of subculture of gay men who um, ha know where she is yeah. and are very like, but they kind of infight. Like there's been a lot of like, that's my photo, not your photo. Like <laughs> they're, they're on it, you know, but the very few of them and, they, and they're very territorial. Um, but they one of them helped me reach her and then that started these phone calls and i said you know i want to you know i write for the hollywood reporter and i'd love to do something celebratory and uh and she was into it and uh i went out there and i i didn't know how if it would work i didn't know if she'd show up but she did <laughs> and uh, we spent a whole day and the photographer showed up and it was kind of like you know can we do this and it, it all happened uh, I really enjoyed uh, when she talked about working on The Shining and working with Jack and working um, with Kubrick and her memories still are very, very fresh, it seems, about that. And it just of uh, things that I didn't realize about how harrowing the shoot was. And it yeah. took, you know, it was like, what, a, a year, that more than a year that they shot and yeah. it was you know, he would do 127 takes of the staircase scene and things like that, that just, yeah. it's, it really, th those details that she's still, it's still fresh in her mind, really make the piece uh, just riveting. It's yeah, a really, it's a really great interview. Thank um, you. And we're going to post the link to that on, on the WOW report. Seth, stay with us. We're going to keep yeah. counting down and we'll, there's something actually I want to talk about a little bit later in the show that it sort of, expands upon not expands but like connects to this this idea of people who are judged in the public eye one way and then you find oh it's a totally different story um so please stay with us uh james what is number nine number nine number nine barb and star go to vista del mar the movie my favorite movie of the past decade. I'm just <laughs> going to say it. It is probably the funniest movie I have seen in forever and ever and ever. It's Kristen Wiig and her bridesmaid writing partner, partner Annie Mulo, I think her name is. And um, they co-wrote it and they co-starred together. It is just goofy, good fun. Barb and 
star are two kooky best friends from the Midwest and they get fired from their job that they work at. And they, so they go down to Florida to this uh, Vista Del Mar and they fall <laughs> in a real place. What? Is that a real place? No, no, it's totally oh, it's they it up. Um, uh, Jamie Dornan, <laughs> they both fall in love with Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades of Grey. Who's and so cute in it? He is so good in it. He is so adorable and just loose and funny. He has a, a big a musical number on the beach that's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. um, there's like a talking crab. There's musical numbers. There's a, a, a lounge singer who only sings about boobs. <laughs> yeah. I, the movie just bubbles along and it's with its own logic. It makes no sense. And if you just give yourself up to it, it was the thing that I needed going into year two of the, of the quarantine. I'm with Seth, you. Have you seen it? Have you yeah, seen it? I watched it last night. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> And um, I just, like I said, Jamie Dornan walks away with the whole movie. There's a super villainess who's trying to destroy Vista Del Mar with a swarm of mosquitoes. And <laughs> so he's her henchman. And so he gets to, he's he just, I, I want to see more of this Jamie Dornan. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Once Upon a Time, the Disney show. Oh, the, oh, with all the like fairy tales. Yes, yes, he yeah, was yeah, like yeah. Robin Hood, I think, on that, and he was on it for like a year, and he was really fun. And this was pre Fifty Shades of Grey, and he sort of showed a side of himself that he hasn't, you haven't seen lately. So I'm glad that he's back to being fun again. Is he a Brit? He is. Yeah. He's um, and, and he leans into the accent in the in the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's really cute. It's so wackadoodle. You wonder if they even had a script. It just felt so improv. The way. Well, because they were both, they, they met at the Groundlings. I think both Kristen yeah. and Annie were, so I think they've been working, they've been improving together for 40 years, 30 years. So uh, I, they really worked well together, and I just, I had a blast. I yeah, absolutely I, 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 too, yeah. I was so interested because, you know, they, they lose their job at Jennifer Convertibles. Spoiler alert. Because Jennifer Convertibles closes. And I, was I know, right? And I was wondering, well, did Jennifer Convertibles really close? Because it's one of those brands that you're aware of, but has never really been cool. It just sort of lurks in the background. So I was like, oh, maybe Jennifer Convertibles really did go bankrupt. But they didn't. So how? How you Jennifer did some, you did your research. You did a little backstory <laughs> and how they let themselves be portrayed that way. But it's bubbling with sort of middle middling brands, isn't it? Like it's it's all it's just the craziest thing. Yeah, Tommy Bahama. Yeah, <laughs> and then they meet Tommy Bahama. <laughs> Tommy Bahama. Uh. Oh, and I love Yo-Yo, how it begins. The whole film begins and you think it's going to be like a kid's movie. It's just so many like shaggy dog stories and little... Um... It's, it's like one of those SNL sketches that just goes on and on and on and you never know where it's going to go, but somehow it works. And yeah. uh, it's, it is, it's the best of Kristen Wiig and I just, I, I love her to death. Totally. That's Bob and Stark at a Vista Del Mar. It's <laughs> uh, available on demand. Number eight. I want to keep talking about the Shelley Duvall thing because um, I just recently saw um, an article in the New York Times that was about how the Menendez brothers, after, you know, the Menendez brothers murdered their parents back in the 80s, and they were roundly condemned at the time. They, in the trial, said they'd been abused by their father. People laughed at them. They were laughing stocks. They were just seen as uh, rich boy, Beverly Hills sociopaths. And they were locked up for the rest of their life. And that's where they are. And so I saw this article in the New York Times last week sort of saying there's a, a, a movement of TikTokers and Instagrammers, kind of like, I guess, the Free Britney movement of people saying free the Menendez brothers and Menendez supporters. And it just it, it tickled me because a few years ago now, we, Randy and I made a movie for Lifetime called Menendez, Blood Brothers, um, but very much... With Courtney like, Love as Kitty Menendez. Absolutely. Really? And uh, Nico Tortorella as one of the Menendez brothers. Um, and very much taking the point of view that, yes, they, we, we, it seemed to us from doing our research that they were sexually abused and that that abuse led them to commit this, this horrendous crime. And then it sort of... Then I started thinking, oh, well, this is interesting because... 
Um, you know, I was thinking about Donald Trump, who in the 80s was seen as a big business success. Rudolph Giuliani in the 90s, seen as this amazing mayor and hero. Harvey Weinstein, seen as a sort of savior of Hollywood, versus, say, Larry Flint, who was always seen as a low-life pornographer, or Tammy Faye Baker as a joke, or Britney Spears as a bimbo, or, or you know, Monica Lewinsky as a homewrecker. And I suddenly think, oh my gosh, by like almost everything we thought, the way we judged people in the 80s and 90s, it was all completely wrong. Hmm. And I feel in a way, Shelley DeBowell experienced that, got that treatment. Certainly, uh, you know, I agree that, you know, a lot of these men, I, I think there's a sexism there, you know, where um, you, you listed a lot of men that were admired. And, um, you know, I think a, a blind eye was turned uh, to, to some of their more nefarious activities like Harvey Weinstein, people knew a lot of whispers about it. Um, the Britney thing, uh, that was an interesting documentary, but I, I felt like a, a lot was not uh, explained in it. Um, I mean, she did a lot of these things. I, I mean, I, I agree that the fame uh, probably was, was hard to deal with, but the way everyone turned on Justin Timberlake, not to change the subject, but um, it felt a little... Uh, unfair to him, I think. Um, I don't know. No, James, you were waving your hands. I told you. Well, you well, I think I was just sort of dancing to my inner, you know, beat or whatever. Um, but I just wanted to mention, though, it's hard not to realize, it's hard for people today to realize how different the 80s and 90s were in mentality where the whole greed is good type of ethos was, was what people believed in. And you don't realize how conservative, and I know we've talked about this on the show before, how conservative this generation of youngsters really is. It with the with cancel culture and you know the TikTokers, you know, everybody it, the feeling in the air is just different. And we would celebrate people like Harvey Weinstein and and Woody Allen and and Donald Trump and things like that in the 80s and 90s, because it was it's it was just such a very different time then, you know, even though we knew that they were probably bad people, we celebrated bad people. It was just, it was something subversive in the air and part of the, the way we thought that doesn't fly anymore. And the 2000s, we had, you know, tabloid culture and, you know, the advent of TMZ and all that and Perez Hilton. And um, it was, people were yeah. enjoying making fun of celebrities. Now, I think now people are more protective of them. Yeah, and but I also think you can't... Um, discard the idea that you know twitter and facebook and everything have brought people together so that they can uh find other people who are just as outraged as themselves and sort mm -hmm. of band together and clump together and in, into a cancel culture for sure well i mean i just wonder if you know 10 years from now we'll look back on all the people we think are amazing or villainous now and if it will have, the whole thing will have flipped once again i guess Eventually, cancel culture will come for you. Is you know that's they, what you love to say, James, because you just can't wait, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Um, I just got to say, Voynarovich, fuck you, faggot fucker, premieres in theaters and video on demand one month from today. That's March nineteenth, being distributed by Kino Lorba uh, in the U.S. and it'll be also at the Film Forum. So go to filmforum.org to get tickets. Um, Blake, have you got a question? Of course I do. Um, I know many, y'all, all of us probably know the answer to this question, but I think everyone should know. So, what radio show host had a segment during the AIDS crisis where they would read names of gay people who had died of AIDS on air, playing air horns and celebratory whistles? All right, that's the question we should all know the answer to. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James, of course, and in lieu of Tom Campbell, the incomparable Seth Abramovich. Um, welcome. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. And Blake, you had a question for us before the break. Yes, um, I know we all probably know the answer to this, but 
what radio show host had a segment during the AIDS crisis where they would read names of gay people who had died of AIDS on air playing air horns and celebratory whistles? Hateful, hateful, hateful man. We could have done a whole top 10 horrible things that he, that he did in on, on the air. Uh, Seth Benton? Rush Limbaugh. Yes. That's right. Uh. May, he, may he rot in pieces. <laughs> I didn't know about the AIDS thing until yesterday, till he died. I but, didn't either, but that's just fucking horrible. Uh, a horrible human. And well, he, remember he used to he used to do, make fun of Chelsea Clinton when she was 12, 13 years old, calling her the White House dog. I yeah. mean, just just a horrible, horrible man. And to see Twitter sort of divide itself with Republicans celebrating him and the rest of the world, you know, wishing him, you know, burning in hell. It's interesting. It was a good day that he died, uh, also because they blew up um, the Trump casino in Atlantic City. Yes. Quite a satisfying thing to witness. I loved watching them both implode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's carry on with our uh, top 10 countdown. We've reached number seven. Seth. Number seven. So let's talk about Drag Race through UK first. Um, can you give me some background about uh, the shutdown, the seven-month break? How hor- horrific was that in terms of production? It was, it was amazing because I, I literally the day I arrived in the UK to film season two, I saw a you know, evening standard billboard saying epidemic arrives in the UK, and I was thinking, uh oh, this isn't this isn't good. And so we'd only shot like four episodes when we realized. I mean, I think the fear, there was an intense level of fear because we, no one really knew what we were dealing with. So we had to shut down. Wait, this was this was February last year, February, March, when was March. it? It was March. Okay. Uh, and, and, and then because of Rue's schedule and shooting the US, we weren't able to return for a full eight months. Um, and of course, luck being, we, the day we return, the UK goes into a second lockdown. So talk about timing. So fortunately, in the UK, uh, people such as ourselves in television are seen as essential workers. Um, but but it was amazing because when the Queens came back into the workroom after eight months, they all looked totally different. They'd had their teeth done, fillers. Sister, know. sister. Yes. <laughs> Completely different person entered. <laughs> Did you not tell them to like try to maintain the same... <laughs> Well, the queens, you can't, you can't tell them to stay. You can't, you can't tell them anything. Uh, I sort of have a crush on, I can't remember. I don't know all their names. Um, this sort of little chunky little bleach blonde. Who's that one? Ellie Diamond. Oh, Ellie yeah. Diamond. He's sweet. I think he's I really like him. cute. I think he might be my favorite. And the one who left is, I liked him a lot. The transformation from nerdy little, like, accountant to, like, oh. boom. boom. Yes, um, yes, I like. What was that one? What? Who's green, that? Something green. Uh, uh, oh, Veronica Green. Veronica Green. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I was like sad to see him go, but I'll I'll look forward to him in the next season. Okay. Well, you can watch this week's brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race UK streaming on Wow Presents Plus. Sign up at wowpresentsplus.com. I keep on saying it's three ninety nine a month. First week is free, and that's less than the price of a latte. But so and it's more. on Apple TV now, which I love. Yeah, and Roku. It's like it's. You know, it's an it's an immersive environment thing. Yeah, it feels like Disney Plus, except with a lot more bulges and things. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more tucked, more tucking. Sometimes uh, some bulge. James, what have you got? Number six. Number six. Well, speaking of Disney, uh, I the trailer for the Cruella dropped this week. And it looks like they're trying to do a Joker type um, uh, a movie here. It's Emma Stone starring as the young Estella Deville, I believe she's she, before she calls herself Cruella. And it's set in punk rock London, where she's a designer, and it talks about her burgeoning interest in puppies. I, I, I have I don't quite know, but um, I don't know that it. I, I, I'm there for the outfits. She looks like Manila Luzon meets Sharon Needles. Um, uh, but does Cruella DeVille need a backstory? I mean, she's pure evil. She, she, 
kills puppies for fashion. I mean, we don't need to soften her image or give her a, a backstory like Maleficent, which I, you know, I hated Maleficent. I thought it ruined the character. I mean, sometimes an evil villain just is an evil villain, right? Does anyone have any thoughts on this? I'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? I, I I was very excited for it, and then I watched it, and I kept thinking, well, is this really necessary? Like, do we really need... Well, of course it's not. None of these Disney remakes and, like, adaptations are necessary, but, you know, London, again, UK, Drag Race UK. It's and, true. Uh, you know, the, the other thing that dropped uh, this week was um, uh, the announcement from Netflix that Wednesday Adams was going to get a standalone series and it was going to be directed by Tim Burton. And uh, Wednesday was going to be in, in college and she was going to be dealing with her psychic powers and she was going to be solving crimes. And there was a serial killer on the loose on the campus. And I kept thinking, you know, we love Wednesday. I mean, I how long have we wanted a Wednesday series? But this just sounds like uh, she's solving crimes. It, I, I don't know. There was, <laughs> I, that actually brings in the Shelley thing because um, there was a bit uh, on Twitter. Uh, Netflix was getting taken to task for saying that this is Tim Burton's first TV foray when, in fact, he directed an episode of Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater for Showtime, oh, right. yeah. the Aladdin one. And um, it had Valerie Bertinelli as the princess and um, James Earl Jones as the as the genie. And um, someone posted some screen stills from it on Twitter. And it's uh, classic uh, Tim Burton backdrops and drawings. And um, I think the fact that it's Tim Burton is it makes it an exciting project, you know. Um, it's true. And, you know, I, I as much as I hate these. Th- I mean, I do watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which sort of sounds like the same kind of thing. Um, uh, I it just, it depends on who they get. I wish Christina Ricci could have done an adult version of, of, uh, Wednesday, but well, I'll, I'll definitely watch it too. I wish someone would challenge Tim Burton to make a movie without computers because all his early movies had no computers and they're amazing. And then as soon as he got CG, they just got very forgettable to me. Um, well, if he can make a movie without Johnny Depp, he got, I think he got lazy for a while there and just kept doing the same sort of white face, creepy. Per, yeah, you know, the, the, the Alice in Wonderland. I'd, I'd love him to, to just challenge him to do that. I, I, yeah, I would like Tim Burton to just break out of his shell and, and, and do something interesting and new. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, then. Let's move on to, hey, well, I've lost count. Didn't I? Seven, six, five. Number five? Yeah, number five. Number five. Well, I said, I, speaking of drag race, I was just literally last week in New Zealand um, where we were filming Drag Race Down Under, the first season of Drag Race Down Under. And it was amazing to be in New Zealand because it's COVID free place. But uh, as, we, <laughs> as happened was the last day we were filming three new cases in New Zealand, three cases of COVID were well, announced or discovered. They were Fenton Bailey, Tom Campbell, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Michelle Visage. Yeah. <laughs> what happened is they, you know, they take this very seriously in New Zealand, so they immediately locked down Auckland. And we were so lucky because we literally had wrapped filming on the last day at, you know, a couple of hours before. And had we still been filming, that would have been it. We wouldn't have been able to complete the... But you do see that there is that wherever you go, there are outbreaks and the country closes down. You aren't making any connection there. I I, I find that a little uh well, for way a little harder. I literally went from the set to the airport to catch my plane, and I get there. And as you know, when you get to the airport and you look at the board and it says new time, and you're like, uh oh, this doesn't look good. And then over by check-in, you see a group of people. Instead of people like standing in a line, there's a sort of cluster of people. I was just like, oh, shit. And so what happened was these three new cases, it started with the catering for Air New Zealand. Um, she got it and her family got it. So as a result, Air New Zealand canceled all their flights. So I was sort of stuck in, in, um, stuck in New Zealand. So is the show Ki- Kiwi drag race or is it aussie drag race like what's down it's, under? it's a combination of aussie and australia so it's drag race down under that actually new, is not uh, a new zealand and australia 
Yeah, it's a combination. They, they, they consider themselves very different from each other, right? Australians and... Yes, they, I mean, down under is what we're calling it, but they don't typically refer to themselves as down under. Mm-hmm. Well, what was it today that I saw on your um, Instagram where you had a, a, a Australian politician talking about what a missed opportunity it was to not let the drag race people into Australia? Yeah. Um, Kate Jackson. Uh, let's see. Not Charlie's Angel. Or <laughs> Dark I want to get her name right. Um, Rose Jackson. That's right. Oh. Not Kate Jackson. Rose Jackson is an MP in Australia. And she went onto the floor of the Australian Parliament to lambast the authorities for failing to secure Drag Race Down Under to be produced in Australia itself. Because instead we were shooting in New Zealand. Originally you planned to do Australia and then at the because of COVID you had to move to New Zealand. Is that correct? No, it was actually New Zealand came in with some, you know, these things are sort of co-production. You know, we needed some funds from New Zealand as well as Australia to make it happen. So it, Plus, it all just... the sheep in New Zealand are some of the best drag queens in the world. So <laughs> I, I tell you, one um, uh, 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 lip sync for your life with uh, I've been to paradise, but never been to me from Priscilla, because that's one of my favorite lip syncs of all time. And you haven't done it yet on any drag race. You are right. I love that song. Who is the other one? It's one of the best songs of the 1980s. I will go for the yes. Is it 80s or is it 70s? I think it's I think it's like 81 or something because I remember hearing it driving to high school with it on and singing. You remember the scene in, in Priscilla when he does it at the beginning? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It so. is absolutely perfect. Yes. That's my well, it will be done. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Oh, we got to move on to a break, right? No. No. Oh. I think we are. I think we have uh, we have reached the break point. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James and Seth Abramovich standing in for Tom Campbell. Blake, your beard makes you look like a Civil War soldier. Ah, thank you. I'm actually, I can't decide if I want to cut it off or wait until I get the vaccine. I think it's more like a pioneer settler, like one of those pictures like you see of like the crazy inbred families out in uh, Las Vegas. How dare you? <laughs> like, like you're out there sifting for gold. We're getting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. And Blake, I think it's number four. I think don't go away. Why'd you leave us? Number four. That is me. That's right. I'm number four. Um, James and I were talking, and have you noticed that there's like eight million game shows on TV now? We have entire ABC uh, primetime slate now is game shows. I know. I've recently fallen into this, and I love almost every one of them. I don't really get into like the mass singer or the mass dancer anymore. Kind of weird, but uh, I pull off those too. Yeah. Yeah, but my favorite right now, I love the Jeopardy one. It's called The Chaser or something. It's where the three Jeopardy champion people, Ken Jennings and the two other guys, I forget their names, they are the chaser, and you have to get, like, so far ahead in the trivia questions, and then they can, like, kind of come up behind you, and you don't want to get caught by the chaser. What channel is that? I believe it's on ABC, but I'm not sure. Do you watch The Wall? I do. The Wall, I love. Uh-huh. Have you you been- is that the one where you have to, the wall is pushing you? No, no. It's like, kind of like Plinko. Is that the game on uh, The Price is Right where you put in the, it's a ball and it goes down the pegboard wall and falls into one of these like categories that go from like $1 to $1 million, and then you have like negative falls, which take away money. And and then at the very end, your partner who's backstage has to decide whether to sign the contract of your guaranteed money, which is usually like a hundred or 200,000 versus did you make millions on the wall or did the wall give you zero dollars? And that's the one that has the really hot um, host that I love so much from well, I'm Talking Dead, right? Chris Hardwick. Yes, I love Chris Hardwick so much. Oh, my God. What? From Singled Out. Yes, yes, yes. 
Um, do you watch Name That Tune? Because I uh, was about I love it. I was about to talk about that next. Yes, I love it, and I feel like I should be on that show. I can guess the sh- the tune normally just from the clues. And we talked about this earlier, and you were saying they were so hard. I didn't. Some episodes they are harder, but. But I just, you know, like when someone says, like, they'll they'll give, like, um, she was, uh, they'll say some obscure clue, and then the, the person will say, I can name it in one note. And you're like, how on earth are you naming this? Are you psychic? You can do that. You can do that. I can do that. Oh, I want to get you and Tom Campbell and Rue together and watch you guys play this. Because it, it absolutely it stuns me. I I have been um obsessed with. I know you watch all those house flipping shows on HGTV, and late and I always like sort of like ugh. And then I fell into a hole the other day watching them, and it was like twenty four hours of just sit like one after the other after the other. And now I'm obsessed. I love it. Which which show did you watch? Do you the know one, uh, the one where they pit the two people against each other? And like one, yes. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Although I did hear that they filmed two endings, and the producers just pick whether they love it or list it at the end. Well, that's 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 drag race, frankly. <laughs> what are you? Uh, what's your TV guilty pleasure or obsession? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. So pretty much any night of the week, you can find some game show on TV. So that's that. <laughs> So, I will say I tried to watch the new one with Jason Biggs, Cherry's Wild, but it was preempted by fucking NASCAR. Oh, I you know, I was so pissed off because Bob's Burgers was preempted by NASCAR, too, and that destroyed my Sunday. Seth, Seth what are your um, quarantine uh, guilty pleasures? Um, Let's see. I watched regular Jeopardy every night, and I like Ken Jennings on it. Um, Do you? Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised you don't like him. Um, well, I like him on Twitter, but I don't find him compelling on camera. But may, I, I haven't watched it, so maybe I'll give it a shot. Well, he's very polite, you know. He's like, well, he, he's, a, he's a nice American boy, you know. But he, I, I like the fact that he probably knows most of these answers. Like, that, that's what I want in a host, just someone who actually knows the answers. Well, so, I'll say you should check out this The Chaser show. Yeah, again. I'll check that out. Yeah. And um, I've been watching the... Um, the Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix. Yes. Um, and the Night Stalker documentary, and they both share the Night Stalker, same um, car- same serial killer, so that's always nice. And then um, I also watched The Ripper, which was like the British um, uh, Jack the Ripper, but from the, the, the 70s and 80s. Oh, okay. um, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of serial killer documentaries, and um, they always give me trouble sleeping, and I want to change the locks on my apartment. I love what? that. I would suggest getting... Um, Discovery Plus. I talked about <laughs> but they have all kinds. They have crime shows. They have house shows. They have everything. Okay. All right. So, um, gosh. Three. Me. Thank you, James. Thank you. Yes. Number three. Number three. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, vagina-scented uh, face masks, which are all the rage lately. I don't know if you knew this. Um, there is a oh well first of all i mean you know that vagina scented candles of course started the craze with goop and world of wonders very own um charisma uniqueness nerve and talent candle which is for sale at the wow store uh, check it out but now we've moved on to face masks because we are in the middle of a pandemic and there's a uh, site a fetish site called sniffer which sells um, uh, used panties and socks and jock straps and things. And um, can I ask a question? Whenever you say face masks, do you mean like face masks or like face masks for? No, no, I'm talking about the actual uh, you know, pandemic face masks. Okay. In fact, they say that the best ones to use are the cotton ones, the three-ply cotton ones that you buy at the drugstore because they hold scent in longer. And what these will, what you commission these people to do is to put it, you know, to put the mask in their thong for a couple of days and let it really soak up the, the juices and the scent 
And, Wait, can we get um, COVID from pussy juice? Well, that's what I'm about to talk about in just a second. Um, but you can also have the the face mask put in. You know, they they can be farted on. They can be worn out of their socks to get the smell of foot. You know, in there. And um, there are connoisseurs, of course, who who love these things. And um, they're talking. They talk about how the the surgical ones, the three ply. You can also have like skid marks put uh, have in the the back. <laughs> walk around town with your own little private secret. <laughs> You know, sniffing your farts and, and all that stuff, and um, it's, it's taken on a whole life of its own. It's quite it, the the site has really taken off. They do say that although the coronavirus um, does not last on surfaces very long, um, it can be found in fecal matter. So if you do have a skid mark on the inside of your mask, <laughs> you wear it at your own risk. Although vaginal juices. Uh, do not carry the coronavirus. So it depends on what it is that you're getting from Sniffer. Um, uh, but um, it's just a, a, a nice little thing for the fetishists out there. So they don't do ball scented uh, masks. You can you can? Oh. I'm sure that I'm sure that, that there's a ball. Se- yeah, um, I don't. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. I should probably um, uh, try these first before I talk about them. But I just wanted to to put it out there as a public service announcement. Well, in the nineties, I remember like doing a thing about in Japan, you can buy used panties from vending machines, and I we did a little behind the scenes report about it and learned that that actually they make them they make them with um, soy sauce, and they just dab a little soy sauce on them, and that's how they get the um, vagina scented smell. I'm not. Wait, are you saying the vagina? I'm not. I don't know this, but that there's a a similarity in the sense between. Well, again, I'm probably not the person to ask, but uh, this is what what, uh, we. This is what we learned because I think. I mean, I think the thing is, James. I'm imagining that after a certain period of time, an authentically uh, stained face mask, the smell would wear off, whereas. Soy sauce is quite potent, and I think it. And would well, I also potent. imagine mass producing it would be a little hard because you'd have. I mean, you know, it's easier to just I, to, to have to actually wear it for a couple of days for each one. I you can't really you just get them from women's prisons, like they did on uh, Orange Is the New Black. Well, that's true. There you go. You know those trees that smell like semen? They bloom and they smell like semen. You ever smell Oh that? yeah. Wasn't there like the the what's the one that smells like sulfur that every fifteen years it blooms? Oh, well, there's, a, there's a corpse flower. The corpse flower, that's it. Yeah, um, but you're saying there's a semen tree? Yeah, a tree that blooms and it like it gives off the smell of. Was it the jacaranda? What? Jacaranda or something? That would be the jacaranda. The jack the jacaranda. <laughs> I think Tom talked about them last spring. Oh well, I yeah. I haven't, had, I, haven't had a of, I haven't had a sense of smell in since the '80s, so I I don't. Uh, but this, I'm going to go sniff my soy sauce right after we finish here. <laughs> number two. Number two. Oh my God! Number two. Snowpiercer. Have you watched Snowpiercer season two? No. no. In fact, the last time I was here, we you talked about Snow Snowpiercer season one. Well, that must be why. That must be why. <laughs> I, I, I kind of grew to like Snowpiercer 1, but oh my God, Snowpiercer 2 is amazing. Can I start at 2? Or do I have to watch 1 first? No, you don't have to watch 1. Um, I'll tell you what, essentially what happens in Snowpiercer 2 is that the train is going around the world. It's the end of the world in the apocalypse, and the train's going round and round and round, and another train latches onto it. And basically, this train is called Big Alice. And on board this train is Mr. Wilford. And Mr. Wilford is the man who created the train in the first place. But in the first season, he got left behind at the end of the world because he was a terrible, evil man. And Jennifer Connelly, who is so lovely, she was an engineering genius and she stole the train. So that was season one, Jennifer Connelly and uh, David Diggs. I mean, great. I love them both. Yes. Absolutely great. But in this season two, Mr. Wolford catches up with the runaway train, rams it, and it is incredible. Mr. Wolford's played by, oh, I forget who is, a Brit guy who's just very evil. 
And there's a really creepy scene in which he makes his valet get into the bathtub with him and makes his valet slit his wrists and the blood fills up the tub. It, it's very dark and there's appropriately, uh, you know, a self-harm warning. But this whole thing has taken on a sort of a really gormenghast, sort of grotesque, dark thing. There's two mad doctors, like a sort of a, a lady and a man, and they're completely mad and they're experimenting on people. Um, but the real breakout star is Alison Wright, who's in charge of hospitality on the train. And she's, I, I just, she's a fascinating character because in, in, in the world of Snowpiercer, where on the train, it's all about class and hospitality is the most important thing. It's like being a senator, you know, and you're sort of, and she's just this really hard character, but with this sort of unwavering loyalty to Mr. Wilford. And she's then, sort of like from um, uh, what was the Hunger Games? What was the yes? Uh, what's uh, uh, not Trixie. Um, uh, oh, come on, Hunger character? Games. What Elizabeth Banks character? Yeah, yeah. yeah what was her name? I don't remember. Oh, I but anyway. I, I remember the actress's name. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm just, but Fenton, I'm just I'm amazed about this because to me the movie uh, Snowpiercer sort of it was it was what it was, and I didn't see how you could keep banging out episode after episode because it's sort of like it was self-contained and it was perfect. I love the movie, but how do you get five seasons out of this premise? They've got they they a new train. There's a second new train. train, I guess. New character. Battle trains. It's a thousand cars long. And it's like hotel. It's like in every room, there's a different story, and every carriage is a different story. And it's it. The, the, but the real breakout star is Rowan Blanchard. Do you know she's a young girl, and she is Jennifer Connelly's estranged daughter. So when the train took off at the end of the world, season one, she had to leave behind her daughter, and Mr. Walford has her daughter. And when the two trains collide, she meets her daughter, and Rowan Blanchard is so amazing. She's like um. She's she's I mean, she identifies in real life as queer, but her hair is cropped very short. And it's like a character I've never seen on TV before. She's now, Blake is saying that uh, Rowan was on Disney's Girl Meets World. And that's where we first found her. And I just want to throw in that Effie Trinket was the character that Elizabeth Banks played. So <laughs> right. and Effie Trinket was sort of master of ceremonies, wasn't she? She, she just sort of was the go between between the. Yeah. yeah. Government. I'm sold, Fenton. I'm going to watch it. I, I feel I'm doing a terrible job describing it. No, you're, you're, you're excited. I want to see it now. It, 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 they boil it into this really grotesque, Bosch-like world uh, that's ridiculous and extreme and absurd, but somehow really compelling. And there's something about Jennifer Connelly. I just, I cannot take my eyes off her. She's great. She's really good. She's probably what would sell me on it. So. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna start with two, season two. Now that I have all the backups, so it's season two. New episodes of Snowpiercer uh, every did month. The movie, Seth. No. Did you ever see the movie, Seth? Yeah, I saw the the film. Yeah, okay. So I, I like. I didn't premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, I didn't love the film, and I thought it was a silly idea. And so somehow I've ended up in this sort of Snowpiercer hole. What is interesting, there are some TV series like Walking Dead that you think, like, how can they keep going on and on? But then season seven, eight, nine are the best that they do. You know, I mean, it's like some people just keep building up steam as they as they keep riffing on the same idea. No pun intended. (laughs) Okay, Uh, the T.S. Madison experience is coming to WeTV March 4th. That's from World of Wonder uh, with T.S. Madison and the one and only New York, Tiffany Pollard. So set your DVRs for Thursday, March 4th, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific time on WeTV. All right. Time for another break. And then when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week. You're listening to World of Wonder's Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to the Bow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James and Seth Abramovich. Yay! Woo! We've been counting down the top 10 things that make us go wow, and we've reached number one. Number one. What is number one, Fenton? 
<laughs> number one is this seems to be a bit of a drag centric show. Number one is UK Hun. Oh, wrong? The United Kingdoms. I bop, boop. Sing, sing, song. If you were anywhere on social media the last week, two weeks, you have just you have been inundated with this song. It is the earworm to end all earworms. Who wrote it? Tell me the backstory. I want to know everything. Scott Lopez and Brett McLaughlin wrote it, also known as Leland. Um, and it's in episode five. It's a Eurovision uh, song contest because, as you probably know, the Eurovision song contest is a beloved institution. So we parody it in Drag Race, and the two competing teams in Drag Race have to record their own version with their own lyrics of UK Han, uh, which goes something like UK Han, sing sang song, bing bang bong, bing bang bong, bing, bang, bong yes. Ding dang dong, yes. Um, and it has not one key change, but two, which I love. I love a double key change, you know? <laughs> In that final key change, it literally, I think I was tweeting or something like that, and all of a sudden my head snapped up, and I was like, what? I like, it, it really is. It's an amazing song, and it just, it's, I think it's probably the best thing that Drag Race has ever, I think when Drag Race is all done in 50 <laughs> years, and it's, oh, people will still be singing Sing Sang Song, Ding Ding Dong, Bing Bing Bong. UK Han, right. It's sort of a, I mean, it's it sort of also for these dark times, it just seems to be an uplifting thing, right? Uh, Barb and Star. Barb and Star. Uh, ding, 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 morning. And it currently is number four in the big top 40, which is the UK chart, and 1.1 million streams so far. Well, now, who makes it off of it? Is it? Is it you guys or is it Leland, who the, the writer? Uh, well, who, well, you know, with, with music, there's, there's all different money comes in from you, you get a sale from every unit sold and money goes to the publisher and uh, money goes to the record label and money goes to the artist. That's how Well, but is the record label World of Wondered Records? I mean, it, it so happens I, that it is. Yes, it is. Well, so you are you are making a, a shit ton of money off of this. Uh, no, because you don't really, I believe, make money off music these days, in truth. it's Music is like the appetizer or the amuse-bouche for your tour or your live acts. That's um, kind of how it works. So who's performing? Like, I saw it was number one on iTunes. Who's who's the vocals? Is it group one or group two? It's the United King Dolls, which is group one, which is um, Bimini Bomboulash, Lawrence Cheney. Uh, Ellie Diamond and oh, the one dressed like Spider Man. Tea coffee? No, no. Well, wait, wasn't that the one that also had Joe Black? Joe Black is in Banana Drama. So wait, wait, are the queens making any money off of this? Yes, they'll make money off of it. Yes. I'm sorry. You're like an auditor. You're like. Like, show your receipts. <laughs> no, I just when World of Wonder does well, then we all do well, and so I just want to make sure that everybody is making money so that we all can get our uh, our big uh, raises at the end of the year. Oh, we'll get our private islands. Yes, right. Your Bing Bang bonus. Yes, yes, a Bing Bang bonus. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have time for this week. <laughs> well, thank you, Seth. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Uh, same time, same place next week. In the meantime. Put on your vagina-scented mask and go out and do something that makes the world go... Wow!